This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. We're in a series called The Way of Jesus, and uh, we're looking at how do you walk uh, the way of Jesus. Uh, the, the Bible talks about being followers of Jesus. It doesn't talk about those people that just give a mental assent to some ideas. It talks about those who walk in the way of Jesus, who follow the practices of Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing. And <clears throat> we've had a number of, of, of talks on this. We had a talk on community that Christopher gave us, the practice of being in community. So well done for being here, being in community. We had a, a, a speaker from outside uh, talk about the devotional life of Jesus, about how you press into uh, how Jesus did that and how we can follow him. And last week I spoke on being with Jesus or be with Jesus about the Lord's Prayer. And thanks for those people. I had a couple of people come say, I've really prayed through the Lord's Prayer this week. It's really helped me. And I do that. And I know that we're just, even as we we're having worship, just when we're saying Jesus is here, we're, we're, we're kind of picking up that, that sort of Jesus, you're here. Now we're here. We've been gone. We've been unattentive, but we're here with you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as we look through now this morning, that, that you would be here. We know you are. Pray our attention would be here, Lord, as we say, how can we become like you? So today I want to talk about how do we become like Jesus, which is uh, it's huge, isn't it? You know, it's like, if, if, who, who would like to become like Jesus? Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, absolutely, we want to be like Jesus. The guy is amazing. The more you read about him, the more you think, I, I, I love this guy. I'd have loved to kind of been around when he was doing his stuff. I think he was still around and he's doing his stuff, but it's kind of different. But, you know, he's, he's an amazing, amazing guy. You think, oh, the guy that ch- he changed the world. You know, how can you not believe that, that uh, you know, he's not God? <laughs> you know, I'm sorry if you're not a Christian this morning. You're welcome. But, you know, I just think, oh, I just love Jesus. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus for, for a long time, ups and downs, and, and, and I, I'm, I, love, I love him. You know, he's just, I want to be like him. Okay, so that's good. We all want to, most of us want to be like him. Hands up if you are like him. Okay, we're talking, about, we're talking about not the righteousness that we get as a gift from God that makes us like him. In other words, we can stand before God in his presence because Christ's righteousness has been given to us as a gift. We're, talking, we're not talking about that. That's imputed. We're talking about the righteousness that, that, that actually we are, that in the end we do the things that Jesus did. Dallas Willard, who gets a lot of name checks in here. Uh, I've got a load of books. I was going to I was going to show them, and you all thought, and then I thought, no, they're quite heavy going. So just let me do the synthesizing. You just enjoy. Okay, Dallas Willard. He says this: the great human failing is to want what is right, or the general human failing is to want what is right and important. But at the same time, we will not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. You know, there's that phrase, isn't there? The, the, the road to destruction is paved with good intentions. You know, I, I, I don't want that on my gravestone. You know, that I thought, yeah, I'd love to live this Jesus life. I'd love to this amazing life. I'd love to live this kind of different kind of life. But our survey said, 
uh-uh, no, he didn't really make it. It didn't really happen. And, and we all want to do that. And, and actually, we kind of think, well, Jesus must have given us a way to do that. And I want to kind of look at that a little bit this morning. I want to think, what, what, what clues, what did Jesus give us to help us live that way? But before that, I want to just talk about how humanity is formed. And I just want to uh, name check John Mark Comer's church, Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. I've been listening to their stuff. There's like so much on, that, on there. Uh, every time I walk my dog, I listen to another. I think, oh man, great, so good. Just do that. Um, I'm synthesizing for you, but I just want you to know that it's really impacted me, and hopefully it'll impact you. But he talked; he, he didn't quite produce this uh, diagram, but I have. So humanity is always being formed. You know, I mentioned when I started the series that, that God formed uh, God formed uh, uh, Adam out of the Adama, out of the mud of the ground, out of the, uh, and he put his hands on and he shaped us. God's forming us; He's always forming us. It says in uh, Paul says in Corinthians, two Corinthians, we are being transformed; we're being shaped; we're being formed, metamorphosed into His likeness as we behold His glory. God is always interested in, in shaping us and transforming us. And you'll know from psychology that we're always being formed, that, 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 that our pathways in our head are always being formed, that, that, that if you repeat a habit, you get better at it, and, and we'll, we'll come to that. So we're always being formed. And, and John Mark Comer picks up four things that, that help us to, uh, or shape us and form us. So he talks about stories, he talks about people, he talks about habits and experiences. So hopefully this will fit in one sermon. If it doesn't, you might get the second half in a couple of weeks. Okay, so the first thing that, that shapes us is just the, the stories we believe. It's really, we, we love stories. We love movies. We love to go to the movies. We love to read books. Who likes reading fiction? Yeah, we love stories. You know, we, we love love stories. You know, we, we, we really enjoy all that. I, I was digging around for kind of stuff how short uh, Stories Shapers came across this quote in someone else's article from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Not one of my main readings, but hey, this is a good quote. We're shaped, so this is secular, secular journal. We're shaped by the narratives we believe, the stories we tell ourselves that make up our view of the world. The stories we tell ourselves that make up our view of the world are powerfully able to construct who we're becoming. In other words, what you believe, the story that you believe you're in, the story you believe about the world, uh, actually shapes, shapes your, your reactions. So if you, for example, feel like the world, uh, that you live this life, and then when it's done, it's done, you're going to live differently than if you believe in eternity. That's a fact, isn't it? You know, the Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we diet. No, we die. You know, that there's a sense where if you think that this is just all there is, you're going to live differently. If you believe that identity is something that, that comes from within yourself, that that's the story, then that, you, that is very different from if you believe your identity is given from God. And the stories we believe and what we think about life and the narratives we tell ourselves on the grand scale, the meta-narratives, and also on the micro scale about our lives really, really shape us. You know, so, and the, the, we've been mentioning about this. So, you know, what your phone shapes you. The, your phone, digital uh, technology is constantly telling you stories. You know, in fact, it's no, it's no uh, it's coincidence that it's called your story, isn't it? My story. 
This is a story I'm creating. Instagram, my story. You know, this is my story. Even Facebook are now kind of clicking that. In fact, they're all owned by the same people anyway, so it doesn't really matter which one you're on. They've got you anyway. But, you know, there's a story. You're trying to create your own story. You're kind of saying, oh, I believe. If you believe this narrative, sorry, youth, if you feel this is shocking, but if you believe that you have lots and lots and lots of boyfriends and girlfriends and lots of relationships, that's going to make you exciting. If you believe that story, and, and sometimes we see that on social media, or if you're married, you know, the Hollywood tells us, well, it gets more and more boring, doesn't it? And, you know, it's get, and, and that's a story, and, and those things are completely fed to us by Hollywood and by our phones. We're constantly fed these stories, and what we believe about us, uh, the world is, right, uh, is really important. Really important. And uh, the reality is there's no neutral place. You don't sit in a neutral place deciding that you sit in this place called, well, I don't really believe anything particular. The reality is you've either been shaped by the stories that the world is presenting to you or you're shaped by the gospel story. There's no halfway place. The reality is none of us are strong enough to think, hey, I can just resist what culture is telling me. The reality is culture is telling you all the time a story of what your life is about, and that's really uh, 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 challenging. The other thing, perhaps, that we... Um, that we is we're shaped by is our uh, experiences. Here's a picture of um, cancer tumor. The things that happen to you in your life shape the stories you believe. So my dad, my dad died when I was 17. That experience shapes my life. People's, you know, deaths. Disease, suffering, challenges, how we respond to those and those things shape our lives. Those big low moments, those big slam moments really, really shape our lives. And also big high moments like, you know, when I got married or when we had kids or when I when did this amazing experience. All those things are shaping us all the time. In fact, we know that that's true because we constantly chasing positive experiences. We're constantly wanting, I want that experience. You know, I, if I had that experience, then I'd feel happy. If I had that experience, because we know that experiences shape us, say yes. We know that people shape us. Christopher spoke brilliantly about community. We know that the people that you're around shape you. Paul writes to the Corinthians, do not be misled, bad company That's a great band. No, it's not. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, the people you hang with matter. Kids. Do you hang with the bad kids at school? You're going to be a bad kid. But, you know, it's true, isn't it? You want your kids. Who did you play with at school? Who did you play with? Oh, I played with the good kids. Oh, no, I'm hanging with the bad kids. You know, and, and you know that that shapes you. And we think, no, we're neutral. But the reality is when my kids were going off to six form parties, I'm thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? Are they good people or bad people? I know kind of the stuff that's going on there. And people around us massively shape us. It's a fact. And then the last thing that shapes us perhaps is, is this thing called habits, which perhaps we're less aware of, and, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll dig into it in a couple of weeks if we, if we don't do it justice today, but I've used this quote before from a website called Pattern. In fact, somebody said to me, um, then you're all saying the internet is bad, and then you're saying go to this website and that website. It's called Discernment. There's some bad stuff on there, don't go there, and there's some really good stuff on there. There's also really good stuff, and if you're just there all the time, your mind comes fried, you just have to have a sense of discipline, which I'm working on. Here, so this is from a website called Pattern from a a really great uh, Anglican church called KXC in the centre of King's Cross. Pete uh, Hughes, who leads that church, said this. The city is a formation machine. That's why I use cogs. The city is a formation machine. It's a concrete rabbi or a concrete teacher demanding its inhabitants become like it and adopt its lifestyle. For better or for worse, but never for neutral. 
Cities do so because the urban area is fundamentally a habitual space. Our time and our energy and our resources get drawn into daily rituals and embodied practices. In other words, there's, there's, a, there's a routine about city life. I mean, there's a routine about farming, isn't there, Nick? But there's a routine about city life. There's a routine about life that, that draws us into patterns, that, that we do the things we do because we're in the crowd with everyone else. You know, if you're in London, you're on the tube with everyone else. You're, you're commuting to work. You do the kind of things you do. We're, we're forced into it by the, the nine to five of our rhythms just forces us into those patterns. You know, the, the TV programs and the stuff that's on, we're just constantly working through those patterns and we think that's kind of neutral we think we're just doing our thing but all the time those those patterns are forming us this is a great quote by a a woman called Anne Dillard no uh, relation to Dallas Willard but hey Anne Dillard she said this very profound why don't you read it for me how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. So really important because we think that actually our lives are lived in those experience moments you know, that we're, that, that we're doing the boring stuff of life now to save up for that holiday or to save up for that car, save up that experience. But actually what's really shaping you is not that experience. What's shaping you is the day-to-day. And that's why what Mark said about the day-to-day of money so shapes us. And, and so when we encourage you to give, it's not because we just feel like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you gave to the church? But actually what you do with your money, the patterns of your money, the patterns of your time, the patterns of your attention shape your life. Say yes. So how are Jesus followers formed? It's a much more agricultural image. What is that? It's vine and branches. Vine and branches. But there's a, there's a formation. Jesus talks about in, in John chapter 15, there's a formation story that goes on uh, about vine and branches. The two words I want you to look for are remain the word remain is nothing to do with the, the disaster or the happy moment, or however you feel it. I guess probably unhappy moment if you're in this town. You know, that happened over the weekend, the remain. It's not about that remain. It's a, the actual word you might find it in, the, in, in the King James is abide, or, or it means to be at home with. So I want you to watch that word, that word remain, means to be at home with, abide with. Jesus, you're here, we're here. And the other word is fruit, which is the Bible picture that runs right through the story about character. About character. Okay, so I'm just going to read this, and then we'll dip into it, and then we'll look at how we, God shapes our story. Jesus said, I am <clears throat> the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Starts off, big hit, Whoa. He, the Father, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Uh, And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. In other words, life's going to deal you bad deals. If you're doing great, you're going to get pruned, cut. If you're doing bad, you're going to get pruned and cut. It's going to happen. Bad stuff's going to happen. We'll come back to that. You are clean. In other words, that, that word means that you've been cut, ready to be grafted in. Clean is like a clean cut where you're ready to be grafted into this vine. So it's the idea of what we're a branch that's been grafted into the vine. You, you could read about that another time. But you are clean or pure or ready because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When I was listening to John Mark Comer, he said, 
I love Jesus' confidence in us. He doesn't say, apart from me, you can do a little bit of stuff. You know, you can do a little bit. He's like, apart from me, you can do nothing. Just like, get, you know, that's how confident I am in your ability to change yourself. <laughs> apart from me, you can do nothing. I thought, John Mark Comer, uh, thank you. I've never seen that before, but it's helpful. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be fruitful. You can't be like Jesus. You can't do it on your own. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. In other words, there's no life in you if you don't remain in Jesus. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in me, ask whatever you wish. There's so much in here we could preach about. Whoa, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's so much about prayer, remaining in Jesus and prayer, so related. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples and my, uh, my learners, my followers. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my words, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's words and remain in his love. I've told you this, and my joy may be in you, and that my joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is saying, you know, that what the obvious connection is, if you remain in Jesus, if you're connected to Jesus, if you're mindful uh, in, in kind of modern language about the presence of Jesus, if you're saying, if you live in those moments where you say, Jesus, you're here, now I'm here, if you learn to pray, if you learn to be peaceful, quiet, if you retreat, if you read your Bible in those moments, what you're trying to do is what? Remain in him. That is the one thing. That's where, where everything focuses. That's what we're about. That's what this church is about. We're trying to get you to be with Jesus, get you to connect with Jesus, to remain with Jesus, to be shaped by Jesus, to love Jesus, to delight in Jesus. We're about remaining in him. We're about making our home with him. And so Paul Hunting came off, uh, uh, our together night and talked about the chair he sits in. He said, I've got this chair that I sit in when I pray to the Father. And he says it's become like this sacred space. It's become this space where I'm saying, Jesus, I'm here, you're here. And I think he wants us to feel like our relationship with, with, with Jesus is like that comfortable sofa. Now, I've got a relationship with my sofa, but it usually involves a sofa and a skybox and sky sports. I've got that kind of intense at-home relationship. I should be doing that this afternoon in the rugby. I'll be sitting down and having this made-at-home relationship with my Sky TV, whatever. But, but the reality is you are supposed to have that kind of connected relate. That was supposed to be funny. You're not all judging me. <laughs> You're not watching the rugby, what's the matter with you? you know, I, but, but you're supposed to have that connected relationship with Jesus. You're supposed to say, I'm here. Jesus, you're here. Hello, connect, we're here. Jesus, that's what we want to do. We want to abide in him. And that's the secret because abiding or remaining or being at home with him equals fruitfulness. Say that. Abiding equals fruitfulness. Paul picks this up. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, you can't make, they don't come by following the rules. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're saying at the end of the old stories, the end of the old habits, different experiences. We're done with them. We're going to work a different way. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. 
Let me say that. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step by the Spirit. In other words, God is present. And I know it's nice that Mark came up, but I felt like, whoa, it's a church. God is present. God is present by His Spirit. We're to live in connection with His Spirit. We're to live abiding by His Spirit. That doesn't mean, I know some of you might have been freaked out by Christopher coming and bringing a tongue. It's like, whoa, does that what it means? Well, it's part of it, but it's not the main part. The main part is, Jesus, you're here by your Spirit. We want to be with Him. By his spirit. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to bring my spirit. I'm going to create that closeness in you. And that closeness is going to create my character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness. I read them in the wrong order. And self-control. So remember we said how is humanity formed? It's formed by stories and people and habits and experiences. How are Jesus um, followers formed. Jesus followers are formed by what do we do instead of stories we teach? What do we do instead of just random people we live in? Community with each other. What do we do in terms of habits we say we do the practices of Jesus we still have experiences. So I'm going to try. Woo. I might, might not get all the way through but I'm going to try and race through these. So teaching is really important. What It's important to hear people teach. It's not just important. It's not important to hear me teach. You might think, oh, is it great? Here he is again. You know, it's great to have Howard again, or Howard's a good teacher or not a good teacher. Whatever your opinion, it's you need to hear teaching. That's what thank you for coming and hearing teaching. And I know in some churches they teach for a long time, uh, and in this church, that's one of them. <laughs> and in some churches they speak for a short time. But I think you need to have teaching. Why do you why answer me the question? Why do you think you need to have teaching? So we can learn. Let's go a bit deeper. What was it? We're contrasting. So it's, it put you in a different story. What we're trying to do in this place is put you in a different story. Remind you, you're not in that story, the Hollywood story about sexual relationships or, or the, you know, the big city story about, about finance or the whatever story. You're in this story. You're in God's story. That's where we dwell. We dwell in God's story. We're formed by the gospel story. J- Jesus says, remain in me and my words remain in you. Jesus is the word made flesh. His words matter. Words matter. You know as a parent, words matter. You know in life that words matter. How many times do you have to repent? Think, I do. Words matter. The stories we believe and the words we say matters. How do you become a Christian? You become a Christian by saying, I want to join a new story. I understand it's a new story. Um, a friend of Mark's who's journeyed with Mark, a friend is it's like just journeyed for a long time. I don't believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, go to the football, chat, chat, chat. Just at the point now we're saying, I see a different story. Not quite there. We don't know. He's not quite there, but yeah, we see a different story. Becoming a Christian is saying, I believe a different story. If you want to be fancy, the word repent. Metanoa means to change one's mind or purpose. For meta, as in metamorphosis, means change. And noah means knowledge or thinking. So becoming a Christian means you change your thinking. I saw the world that way. And I lived that way. And that shaped me. And now I see Jesus and I live the world this way. Ideas do matter. Ideas do shape us. It's a repentance and we do it. It's not just when you become a Christian, but you do that all the time. I was living that way. And your friend says to you, Howard, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And you think, oh yes, Jesus. And to live this way. 
Discipleship means we teach you to live a different way. And that we're all doing that to each other. We're all learning. We all want to be disciples of Jesus. And so it matters. The information matters. The stories we believe matters. So just obvious things to do. How do you do this? How do you embed this in your life? Daily abide or remain in your Bible. Daily remain in your Bible. Uh, yeah, metaphorically speaking, you know, you don't get in your Bible. But, you know, you get in your Bible, be in your Bible. The reason why you do the Bible surveys because you need to be in that book. You need to be reading. You need to be saying, this is a story and habit. You're reading Leviticus and you think, I haven't got a clue what it's about, but you still have to be in there. You know, and then your friend texts you something and you think, oh, Andy Wilson, nice, good stuff. Yeah, damn, damn, in that story. You know, and that's how we're doing it. We're kind of reading, these, reading the Bible, daily reading the Bible. In fact, I feel cheated that we did five by five. I think we should have done seven by seven. I'm blaming Tom. It was his Tom. He, he's got so much grace for you. He knows you need the weekend off. You don't need the weekend off. You need the weekend on, daily in the Bible. Listen to Sunday teachings. Thank you for coming. Be here. You can't get shaped by one at half an hour. An hour in church a week is not going to get it done. But if you're not here at all, you've got no chance. You know, be here. Connect. It's teaching matters. I lo- as I said, I love it when people come to me and say, just, you know, what you've said or what you've talked about or what Andrew Will- Haslam talked about was, like, really help me. That's what we're trying to do. You can read and study Listen to Bible teachers. I was at a school, a school governor's meeting, and we're talking about trying to get the kids to read, and people just don't read. People don't read. You know, the wise literacy in the school, a challenge. You know, it's a great school, by the way. Just don't tell, tell bad things about them. But people aren't reading. We, they did a survey, like, just boys don't read. Girls will read, but boys don't read. And Reading's important. Don't feel bad if you don't read. You can listen. You know, audio book. Whatever, listen. I, re- I have the Bible read to me. John Suchet, you know, whatever. is Hercule Poirot reads my Bible every morning. Thank you. You're so sweet. And there was this American guy, and he sounded like he was like a gangster. I thought, no, I'm not going with him. <laughs> Sorry, Americans. <laughs> this Hercule Poirot is like, smooth talking. Oh, yes. Talk to me. Talk to me, David. <laughs> Re- let the Bible read to you. I know some of you in the car, in your commute, because you can connect your phone to the speakers now you can have the bible read to you in the car you know my kids put capital on so do i but let the bible be read to you in the car you can listen to bible teachers you know i i was going to write to john mark Comer saying you don't know who i am but i've definitely increased increased the hit rate on your on your website i am loving it you're allowed don't listen to rubbish if you're not sure ask me and i'll tell you what's good <laughs> seriously there's a lot of dodgy stuff out there you know just because it says christian Seriously, you know, make sure it's Bible-based. But yeah, listen to good teachers and share the word in community. You know, in your three and together, what's God saying to you? Is that straightforward? Do you think, oh, I knew all that. Yeah, well, let's get on it then. Okay, uh, and, and again, John McCormick, again, it's just like he said this, you cannot think your way to Christ-likeness. I just want to do this. So, so the teachings really of value. You know, Jesus said, let, let the word of God remain in you richly. The word of dwell in you richly. But you can't think your way to Christ-likeness. Think of that habit that you, that you struggle with. No, no, think of a different one. Now think of that habit you struggle with and then think, does knowing that it's not the right way to live, does that get it done? You know? 
I tried, we were with friends yesterday, and I kept getting a funny look from Naomi because I was trying to be funny, and I just wasn't <laughs> funny. I was a bit nervous, and, and I'm just thinking, oh, Howard, I need to change. What a, oh, Lord Jesus. But I kind of know that. My wife tells me that. You tell me that. Just knowing it doesn't get it done, does it? And somebody, I need more. I need more. You know, listening to a sermon on the foolishness of the tongue, it's going to help, but I need more. You know, I need something else. And you can't think, you know, if, you, if you're lazy, lying in bed in the morning, you think, you know, I know I shouldn't be lazy. But you just think, oh, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Oh, I know I should be up and reading the word. And wow, but five more minutes. You know, just knowing doesn't get it done, does it? It's good to know you're supposed to be up and doing something. But actually just, okay, how are we doing? Yeah, this isn't going to be a full sermon. This is going to be two. Okay. So the next thing we change, so we need to learn teaching, but teaching isn't going to get it done. We need experiences. Let me talk about this. We need experiences. We believe in experiences in in church, yeah? Do you believe in experiences? We believe in experiences. It's kind of the right kind of experiences that we're looking for. I believe in experiences. I believe in experiencing Jesus. Yeah? I don't believe in just believing in Jesus or reading a book by John Stott about Jesus or listening to some sermons about Jesus. I believe in experiencing Jesus. Yeah? And that's kind of scary because some people think, whoa! Yeah, just let me read and study and I'm good. Others of you are like, about time we just, Lord, come bring more of your spirit, more pour it on us, Lord. You know, but we believe in experiences. I honestly think it's so important when repentance, when you become a Christian, uh, Paul, uh, uh, Peter says this, repent, be baptized, please be baptized in water, be repent, be baptized, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's an encounter moment. You should, and I know that sometimes for some people becoming a Christian is a process, but for me it was an encounter moment, 11 years old, encounter moment. Wow. I've had encounter moments in my life. I, I, had, I had one moment where, where I just felt God show me that I was a spiritual orphan. Where I just felt like, you know, my dad died at 17. I feel lonely. I'm a spiritual orphan. You know, I'm a, a kind of pick me, pick me kind of person. Love me, love me. But yeah, if you get close, I'll fight my corner. That's what, spirit, that's what orphans do. And I went on a course and I met some people and they talked to me about like they were doing running an orphanage in the Philippines. And as they're talking about that, I'm thinking, that's me. And I go back into the session. I can't remember what the preacher said. Don't worry. Um, and I just lay down on the, on the carpet and just felt the Holy Spirit say that you're a spiritual orphan, but I, I want to father you. I felt when people came a couple of weeks before and just talked about that, I thought, oof. And it was just a moment for me. It was like a moment. I was like, I went from like here to here. You know, I knew it and I'd been slow and progress, but suddenly in a moment, bang. I'm about 17, just being in a meeting and feeling the Spirit of God on me, and I think, bang, just moved me. We want that, don't we? Yep. We want that, these charismatics over here. <laughs> we want that, don't we? That's why we call people forward. I don't get a bonus payment when, you know, how many came forward this week? Okay, that's how many you're going to get. No, I don't get, because we believe in encounter. We believe in encounter. We want those breakthrough moments where we lay hands on each other. And again, John McComber's just very helpful here. He says that breakthrough moments are rare and bring freedom and healing. And, you know, we want freedom and healing, don't we? If you're struggling with stuff, you want freedom. You know, you're, 
got a problem with identity and I feel like no one, God doesn't care. It's just great to have that moment where you feel like God pours, a, pours his life on us and, and healing. We want those. But he says this, and I think it's really helpful, but character change almost always occurs over long periods of time and requires long periods of effort. Funny, I was watching one of the sermons that I watched and, uh, and John Mark Hummer's just very funny. He just said, you know, would it be great if you could just think, right, okay, I was a lazy person. I, I, you know, and if you're a lazy person, come to the front. We just lay hands on you. He's like, oh, just receive the spirit of unlaziness. Yes. And then it's like the next day, I was up early. I was up at five. You know, I was reading my Bible. I, you know, I think God might come and said, yeah, I read Leviticus 10 times. You know, I just was, oh, Leviticus, I love it. Yes, whoa. And I was like, and then I got up and I was like, and I did all the housework and I emptied the dishwasher and then kind of got out and I sprang into work and I was like super efficiently happening. You know, and then I got a new job and I was like, man, I was amazing. You know, I, I, I gave up meat and I started this deep plant based diet and became incredibly healthy and like I never wanted chocolate anymore wouldn't it be great if that could happen you're worrying about me aren't you now <laughs> but do you get the idea we want we kind of want that don't we, we think oh that's the and, and some of us think that's the way God does it and sometimes he does sometimes he does but mostly he doesn't mostly you're changed in the slow mostly you're changed in the mundane. I'm going to dig into the practices in more detail, but I'm just going to mention it now so that it flows. We need rhythms. We need habits. I'll talk about it in more detail in a couple of weeks. I, I quoted this to you. I'm reading a book by this uh, woman called Tish Warren, Liturgy of the Mundane, Liturgy of the Ordinary. She's saying how the ordinary, ordinary, ordinary moments of your life are really what shape you. And we'll, we'll jump back in on this in two weeks. But let me just read this quote for you. The crucible of our formation is the anonymous monotony of our daily routines. They rewire us from the core to see this world a different way and to desire certain things. It means the habits of our lives shape the desires of our lives, which in turn shape the uh, direction of our lives. Misdirected loves lead to misdirected lives. So jump one then. So what we need is we need these spiritual practices that, that, that we do day to day. Dallas Willard says a spiritual practice is an activity within our power that allows us to reach the point where we can do what was not, we could not be done by direct effort alone. Let me just think about that. So, so uh, Matt Hatch, friend of mine from Leeds, used this illustration. We're kind of landing here, almost landing here. He used this illustration of what does this young boy desire? The, the cookies or the muffins on the top shelf. For us, what do we desire? Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. But we realize it's quite hard to be like Jesus. It's, you can't just do it by wishing. You can't do it by thinking. You can't even just become like Jesus just from being prayed for. You need some spiritual practices. In this picture, what represents the spiritual practices? The chair. Thank you, Mark. In other words, the things you can do, you can get the chair and move the chair and climb on the chair that's within your power 
to get the life with Jesus that without the chair you couldn't get it, okay? Do you follow that? Yeah. That's what spiritual practices are. They're not there like, hey, right, hey, I'm reading my Bible survey and I haven't missed a day. Ding! You know, I fast once a week. How amazing. They're not, it's not there. That's not the point, is it? You fast once a week, so what? But it's the chair. Fasting's the chair to get to the cookies. I fast so I can clear the junk and say, I deny my appetites because I'm hungry for you. Jesus, you're here, I'm here. We'll talk about that more. Just jump on to the bendy clock. Again, just to change the quote that I read earlier, how we spend the mundane moments of our days is how we spend our Christian lives. We'll talk about this next, in, a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. But it would be helpful if you just think, what do you, what do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your time doing? So my team lost again. I was on Twitter again, melting down with all the Leeds fans again. Leeds are falling apart again. And before I knew it, another hour had gone and I had not become more like Jesus. I'd just become more like a typical miserable Leeds fan. Sorry, Will. You know, waste of time. What do you do with your time? We all say we've got no time, but we're just wasting it. And our, t- our lives have been shaped by the wasting of our time. So we had a meeting cancelled tonight that, that, that some of our leaders were involved. And I thought, oh, I could just watch telly. I'd just watch telly. Um, where are we? Season four of West Wing. I know we're 20 years behind the most of you, but we're getting there. Oh, we could just watch season four of West Wing. And there's nothing wrong with watching season four of West Wing. But like, why am I wasting my life? Why am I wasting my life? What you put in, though, into your life comes out, and I, and I roll this so it will feel coherent, that experiences. So we've had experiences of encounter, but actually that the, the, what do you do when moments of trial and suffering come? What do you do when those difficult moments come? What those difficult moments will tell you what story you believe. They'll tell you the people you've been with. And they'll tell you the habits of your daily life. How you respond in those moments. I, I heard it described like, like suffering or trial is like, a, is like a sponge being squeezed. You feel what's in there comes out. But it's interesting in our society, the, the thing we want to avoid most is suffering. You know, so we'll go to, we'll go to Switzerland and just have an injection because we don't want to suffer. You know, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, it's, Lord, we don't want to suffer. Help us, we don't want to suffer. No difficulties, no trials. You know, there's a whole church movement based on, if you believe in Jesus, nothing bad's going to happen. Don't know where they get that from, because Peter says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And don't be surprised if something bad was, as strange was happening, because it happens to everyone. Jesus says, the Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes are even more fruitful. Those moments of trial and suffering are the moments that shape you. Hands up if you have had a bad time ever in your life. I'm not going to ask you what it was. If you've had a challenging time ever in your life. Some of you, I just want to be your friends because you've never had one. I think, what are you reading? Obviously, the ways of Jesus are tight. And we, but we have bad times. You know, last year, my wife had cancer. Two years before that, her mum died. A year before that, my mum died. 
Stuff happens. You know, you, you can go into situations. We were in a church plant in Manchester. It was hard, hard work. One of my staff members decided he hated me. You think, well, that's quite normal. No, <laughs> it was really hard. You know, there's this, ah, man, child, trials and challenges. People who you've walked with for years said, I can't live in Manchester anymore. It's too much. I'm leaving. All that, you just feel the pain of it. But in that moment, it squeezes you. It squeezes you. And I want what's in me to be put in day to day. So what comes out of me is, is faithfulness to Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 7. He says, I'll finish here. Therefore, everyone who hears these words, so that's teaching, and puts them into, say it, practice. That's habits. It's like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. You know this, kids, don't you? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Boom. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. In other words, we're not a follower of Jesus. We've got the t-shirt, we've got the bumper sticker, we come from the culture. You know, everybody's a Christian in our town. No, no, no. Hears these words and lives the way of Jesus. Is like a, who doesn't do that is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Guys, when stuff comes, I want you to cope. More than that, I want you to win. I want you to triumph. So when you, if you're in the middle of bad stuff, that's the times I've been in the middle of bad stuff have been the makings of me. Please nod, Naomi. You know, the bad stuff in my life has made me. It's shaped me. I wouldn't take away a single bad moment. You know, my, you know, my dad dying, it's awful, but like it meant the Father encountered me in a fresh way with his love. That is what we want. We want to walk the way of Jesus so when bad stuff happens, we don't just crash. I mean, it's sad. I look around church sometimes and I think... Bad stuff's happening to that person. You get alongside me, you get around them, but you think, man, I can feel the house creaking. I don't want that to be. But then you see, and I must think my wife was just brilliant. Cancer comes, and you just thought, she's on the rock. She's on the rock, Jesus. Thank you for her. Thank you for years of walking with you. Thank you for that. Just on the rock. We want to walk the way of Jesus. Amen? If you want to be like him, you've got to follow his teachings. You've got to experience him in those moments. You've got to create those habits. And when the time comes, you're going to be strong. Amen. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.